BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the City's Podcast. We're entering the third year of a global pandemic with frustration and anger. If it isn't the masks, it would be the vaccines. If it isn't the variants, one after another, it would be the daily bombardment of the coverage. And often caught in the middle of it all are the healthcare workers. This month, tempers flared outside one hospital as people waited in hours-long lines for testing, only to find out they weren't eligible to be tested. But that's just one example. Doctors have seen countless others. And we talked about that with the incoming president of the Illinois State Medical Society, Dr. Clarence Brown. We talked with him from Chicago. Are you seeing that? Have you talked to your colleagues? Are people just becoming more frustrated and taking it out on their healthcare providers? Um, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. And, and um, sadly, um, frustration is growing you know, throughout the American public and throughout you know, the, 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 the healthcare workers are experiencing that frustration. And um, yes, uh, regrettably, um, uh, it, it is becoming more of a challenge on a day by day basis. Um, helping to, to navigate the, uh, the pandemic. Is that some way unprecedented? Well, it, it, you know, with respect to precedent in, in general, um, the, we haven't had a, a, a you know, worldwide pandemic such as this for, for nearly 100 years, over 100 years. And um, you know, navigating something this challenging uh, with this much uh, pressure and stress I think is uh, difficult for everyone. And in this society now, is it more difficult for physicians such as yourself and your colleagues to actually discuss the issue of COVID with your patients because some are just gonna deny it or, or say, you know, I read something differently on the internet? Um, I mean, you, you, you raise an excellent question. There is a, an abundance of information that is available at our fingertips now on the internet. Um, a great deal of which is, is credible, it's vetted, it's, it's very uh, helpful, um, particularly with respect to COVID. But there is some information that, that's not as well vetted and doesn't have the same level of credibility. And when uh, the public relies on information that uh, isn't coming from reliable sources, it can create a great deal of confusion, uncertainty, and, and contribute to stress. And, and you're facing sometimes people who are in total denial that in some cases that the uh, uh, COVID-19 even exists or that it's just really a mild case, which for some people it is, and that it shouldn't be taken so seriously. What have you seen after we're now entering the third year of a pandemic? What have you seen as far as uh, COVID-19 and the seriousness of it? Well, throughout the state of Illinois um, and our country uh, and around the world, we have we have seen as healthcare providers waves of illness as new variants of COVID have emerged and uh, led to increased uh, you know, incidence of illness, 
uh, hospitalizations, and regrettably death. So this, this is a serious disease that should be taken very seriously. Uh, fortunately, the most recent uh, variant, the Omicron variant, um, has much less likelihood of causing serious illness and death to those that are vaccinated. It still presents itself to be a, a uh, you know, a very serious risk for those that have immunocompromised um, uh, immune systems and those that have other health issues that make them at um, you know higher likelihood of uh, developing serious illness. Tell me about the medical community. I mean, everyone is tired of COVID-19. I'd assume the people that are on the front line of treating it are as well. There's got to be a certain level of burnout among doctors, nurses, and other healthcare providers. Um, certainly, uh, burnout is a serious issue in the healthcare um, arena right now for healthcare workers. Um, not only the doctors and nurses, but all of the staff that support the efforts that we put forward to try to help safeguard the, the American public. Um, so by some estimates, one in five members of the healthcare sector um, have left um, their employment and that's placing um, added burden and added stress on the entire uh, ability to, to handle you know, the challenges of the uh, pandemic. And we've seen time and again the need for nurses. Uh, I mean, even before the pandemic, how critically important is it now for people to get involved in the healthcare field? Well, I agree that it, there is there is a critical need now. Um, you know, we we are certainly understaffed, undermanned, underwomaned uh, with respect to the the, the needs um, before us. However, healthcare is uh, you know as a pipeline. It's a long process to train a nurse, uh, an even longer process to train a doctor. So we're we're talking years to get people from um, their you know their secondary education in high school through a, a college degree onto some graduate education and then into the workforce. So it is a long process. Medical Society has always been involved in that pipeline. I mean, trying to get new doctors, trying to get people into the field. What does it look like that pipeline in five years future? Well, um, that, that's also a great question that, you know, early in the pandemic, there was an increase in uh, uh, interest in nursing and uh, uh, medicine as careers. Uh, there was a large influx of applicants uh, for the available uh, seats in nursing schools and medical schools. Um, but that, that was balanced by a great number of um, existing healthcare providers, you know, leaving the field uh, due to their own age, perhaps due to some of their own health, um, you know, pre-existing conditions and health concerns. And so that's balanced. However, as the pandemic continues and um, healthcare workers feel the stress of the pandemic, um, that's only exacerbated by uh, the American public taking their stress out on healthcare workers. Uh, those numbers are shifting in the opposite direction. Always has been a problem also in rural areas throughout Illinois, well, let's say throughout America, finding enough physicians to treat people who don't live in urban areas. Is that still becoming a critical issue in Illinois? Uh, yes, that's actually quite, uh, quite an important issue in the state of Illinois. Um, there is a uh, projected shortage of physicians uh, for our nation, and that will be amplified and the magnitude will be far greater in rural America, particularly in Illinois. The Medical Society, the Illinois State Medical Society with Illinois physicians has invested in a, a program called the Rural uh, Illinois Medical Student Program, RIMSAP, uh, which actually helps to fund through low cost uh, loans um, the engagement of medical students uh, with um, the goal of have, having them remain in rural Illinois to practice after medical school. We've seen so many places trying to do stuff like that, not only physicians, but you think of teachers as well, getting them into the rural area. How successful has that been so far? 
it, it has been a very successful program, actually. It has led to a, um, you know, dozens of medical students um, going through medical school, then residency programs, and then remaining in rural Illinois. It's been coupled with a program um, that promotes uh, placing um, advanced practice nurses in rural Illinois as well. So it is a, a program that the Illinois State Medical Society sees as a real win for the uh, residents of Illinois. One of the things the pandemic has has amplified, I guess, is the need for a telehealth um, uh, that you don't necessarily go to the doctor's office. You can get information online with the doctor or by a Zoom call like we're doing right now or even by telephone in some cases. I, I know that the Medical Society had some concerns about telehealth. Do you see that that's going to be more prevalent uh, as we move forward? Uh, yes, telehealth actually has uh, really emerged, um, you know, as a, a value leader for, for Americans um, throughout the pandemic, and especially for residents of Illinois. Um, what the uh, Medical Society has um, advocated for and uh, Illinois legislatures have passed is parity for reimbursement for telehealth services um, when compared to in-person or, you know, in vivo, in real life services. So moving forward, um, whether one sees their physician or healthcare provider in person or via telehealth, that reimbursement should be the same. So this, this should promote access and particularly access into rural areas where some specialists and different types of physicians are, are less available. Well, that's what I was thinking exactly, is in the rural areas where you're looking for more doctors, this is at least part of a solution. But also, it's, I would assume telehealth is really valuable for follow-up uh, for the person who uh, already had seen their physician and just needs to get an update with the physician. Instead of going all the way to the office, it could be done this way. I, I absolutely agree. Now, as a practicing dermatologist, which is my field, dermatology, uh, telehealth is extremely helpful for follow-ups uh, when we're treating acne or eczema. Um, it, it does have some challenges. It doesn't allow me to do a biopsy. It doesn't allow me to take a sample or, or, or to freeze a lesion, uh, but, it, but it can be very helpful in that follow-up arena. One other area, doctor, is of course opioids. It, it was uh, overprescribed. People are now looking back going, Wow, this has really done damage to the American public. Um, as far as the medical society is concerned, I mean, you guys have really taken a stance on the use of opioids as well. Correct. Um, we acknowledge um, the, you know, the reg how regrettable and sad it is, the influence of these opioids on um, both Americans as a society and with respect to their health care. Now, as physicians, we were, we were, we were sold sort of a, a tainted bill of sale uh, with these opioids when they were introduced that they were going to be less addictive and they were going to have less uh, risk for harm and side effects and that and that didn't uh, that really didn't play out so um, you know pharma pharma certainly wasn't um, um, speaking the truth with respect to those issues now on an annual basis all physicians in Illinois are required to take three hours of continuing medical education with respect to opioids in their prescriptive use to try to further stay uh, the effects of uh, the opioid um, you know, impact. When you think of medical care, there's so many different pillars. There's the patient, there's the doctor, of course, and then that third pillar is the insurance company. And I know that doctors have been fighting uh, insurance companies for as long as insurance companies have existed. And one of the big wins you're saying was changes as far as prior authorization, that a person has to get approval for a procedure uh, before seeing their, their physician. Yes, um, effective um, you know, January of this year, 
Um, there is new legislation in the state of Illinois that makes the process of prior authorization um, streamlined, easier, and definitely well-defined. So uh, it limits 48 hours to be the duration for a decision to be made by an insurer with respect to an urgent need for prior authorization. Uh, five business days, uh, I'm sorry, five calendar days for non-urgent uh, prior authorization. And once a prior authorization is uh, uh, given for a particular treatment, and the patient even has a change in insurance, that previous prior authorization travels with them uh, to their new insurer. And furthermore, uh, the prior authorization is based upon um, a peer-to-peer -peer review process where it's a physician in the same field or specialty of treatment is making a decision about the appropriateness of that prescriptive choice or that therapeutic choice. We're starting a new year, 2022, of course, and one thing that the Medical Society is really trying to get out is if you haven't had a doctor's appointment, make a doctor's appointment. There are procedures that have been delayed. There are people who have said, I've got, I'm worried about COVID. I don't want to even go to a doctor's office. You're really stressing that people have to take care of their total care now. Absolutely. The Medical Society and the physicians of Illinois are emphasizing to all, all residents of Illinois that it's important to continue with routine uh, follow-up and routine medical care, especially preventative care. Uh, I want to encourage all of your listeners to think about the fact that your doctor and your doctor's office is one of the safest places you can go. Your doctor knows better than almost every other type of business or entity out there how best to keep you safe from illness and diseases, including COVID-19. In my own uh, experience as a dermatologist, we are seeing people that haven't been back to our office for two or three years, and some of them are presenting with advanced skin cancer, advanced melanomas that we could have actually intervened if caught earlier and, and may have even been life-saving. So putting off routine care is only going to lead to greater harm down the road. Our thanks to the incoming president of the Illinois State Medical Society, Dr. Clarence Brown. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.